Hey, good morning, Awaken Church. Um, how good and sweet it is to praise the Lord, uh, even in the confines of our own living room. So really glad you guys are tuning in. And uh, if you don't know me, my name is Andrew Roberts. I'm one of the pastors here at Awaken Church. And I'd like to, to just uh, begin this time um, with uh, a word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for um, your grace and your goodness. And we pray for our nation, uh, even as um, the death toll rises, God, um, would you comfort people? Lord, would you heal people? Um, and Father, would you be, be with people, um, pointing them to the truth that is your love and your sovereignty and your goodness? And um, Lord, we just um, pray and ask right now that you would just... Um, uh, Come into our homes, come into our living rooms, teach us your truth. God, give us hope and comfort. And um, Lord, we uh, pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, well, again, welcome and uh, really excited you guys are joining us. I uh, wanted to kick off with just something that we've been doing the last couple weeks, and that is for all the kids joining in, um, we wanted to give you guys an opportunity to draw some pictures. And uh, this um, week, we're going to be finishing our Sermon on the Mount, which is from Matthew 5 to 7. And at the very end of the sermon, Jesus talks about um, these uh, wise and foolish builders, and he talks about um, them building houses. And we thought it'd be great if you guys, uh, if you kids, and even some of you adults, okay, um, wanted to draw pictures of what it looks like to possibly build a house on the rock, a house with a strong foundation, or if um, you're kind of uh, a demolitionist, um, build a, a house that's, um, you know, built on the wrong foundation, that's um, built on sand. So kids, please, um, we'd love to uh, take a look at your drawings at the very end of this live feed. So take a while to, um, to draw and create um, pictures, and I'm really excited to do that. Please send them to uh, awakenqna at gmail.com. So awesome. Um, with that said, I'd love to maybe just jump in uh, to uh, a few announcements before we dive into our sermon topic. So a few announcements for you guys. Um, Easter um, is uh, coming up this next week, and we're excited um, it's going to look different. Uh, typically, we've had Easter as just a community to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, we're going to be doing this from our homes. In fact, all of April, we're choosing to stream. Um, and uh, we've got some exciting things, though, coming out. And please stay tuned um, to some more details about our Easter service uh, on Facebook Live and partner updates um, that you'll receive. One of the things, though, before Easter um, is Good Friday. And it, it sounds like an odd um, name to give a day, um, the day where uh, Jesus Christ died for us, but it's good because our sins were paid for. And um, at Good Friday, we are actually going to invite everyone um, to the church. And uh, let, me, let me break that down for you so you don't, so you don't start to worry right now. Um, we're going to invite you to the, to the church for actually drive-in communion. So we're not asking you to get out of your cars. Um, and what we are asking you to do is to come to the church between uh, 610 and 630, uh, find a parking spot. Again, please stay in your vehicles. I know our church is incredibly relational. We want to say hi to everybody. Stay in your vehicles. Um, we're going to have little communion uh, prepackaged cups served. We're going to have a song out in the parking lot as well as a, uh, a short communion message from Pastor Frank. 
And um, that can also be watched on Facebook Live. So uh, if you don't necessarily want to come uh, to church, if you have some reservations about that, that's fine. Please tune in at 630 uh, for that. Um, we're really excited about that. We're also going to be handing out little Easter packets. Um, so there's some coloring things, some snacks for kids. So we really want this to be a great opportunity. We're using a family um, can, can uh, still experience communion with us. Uh, again, this is uh, the first Sunday of the month. Typically we have communion this Sunday, but we thought it'd be really awesome uh, to take communion um, as a church body, uh, kind of drive in movie style. Um, with that said, um, leaders, there's going to be a short Zoom call at noon. Um, uh, we've got prayer needs, um, and uh, if you have prayer needs, we have an email address that we'd love uh, for you to uh, send uh, your prayer request, um, send any needs that you have, um, uh, awakenchurchprayer at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to be able to pray for you in this time. We'd love to be able to help serve you, help meet any needs, um, whether it's just a, a pastoral phone call, um, if it's just um, helping you do an errand, uh, you know, any, anything that we can do, we'd love to serve you. Um, yeah, I think the last thing, too, is, um, you know, typically we have our giving box um, at the, the back of church, and we just want to encourage you guys to continue to give um, as the Lord provides for you. Uh, so with that said, I'm really excited to uh, jump, into, um, uh, jump into our message this morning. And uh, again, we'll be in Matthew 7. We're coming to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, this is our, our, our last um, uh, teaching series on it, and, and, and it's our fifth. And I'd love to just give a, a short recap of, of what we've covered. And I think that it's important to have the, the big idea. This Sermon on the Mount, Jesus um, is ascending to the top of the mountain, and he's teaching uh, these crowds who have been following him. And, and if we really look at this, um, we see Jesus is, is the rightful king, and he's restoring order once again. And that order is that God is first, God is teaching his people. God is teaching them about the kingdom. And so we looked at, um, the first week we looked at what it looks like to flourish in the kingdom as a citizen of the king and how God blesses his people. Um, he, he, he causes them to flourish. He, he tells them what citizenship looks like in the kingdom. It's almost as if he's going back to Genesis, um, creating all things anew. Uh, the next week we looked at law. And um, Jesus wanted to affirm that he's come to fulfill the law. And that means that, um, that the, the letter of the law is not the only thing being fulfilled, but the spirit of the law is being fulfilled as well. Um, the third thing we looked at, and Pastor Richard did a phenomenal job, was what does right practice look like? Kind of uh, uh, the spiritual life on the inside versus maybe what people see just on the outside. And uh, he did a phenomenal job. Last week, uh, Stephen um, took us through um, uh, some more ideas, uh, particularly on, on what it looks like um, to not judge um, others and what it looks like to love others and that um, how these are uh, just a, a foil that oftentimes we can slip into patterns of judgment when God has called us to love. Uh, my favorite quote from the time, and uh, Stephen, this was great, uh, he shared, you know, when you judge someone, it's like you're pulling the pin on a hand grenade, but you're unable to throw it. And I just thought, wow, um, that really just spoke to me and, and, and really just encouraged and challenged me that, man, if, if I'm judging someone in my heart, um, really, I'm just causing destruction in my own life. And uh, that was just a, a great thought, Stephen. Thank you so much. Uh, and this week, we're going to look at wisdom. 
Jesus is going to close out this sermon um, with wisdom. And I think what's really cool about this, if we look at um, everything that Jesus has done, he's gone through the law, um, he's gone through the prophets, and now he's going to go through what wisdom looks like. And, And if you look at the Old Testament, that's actually what the Old Testament is comprised of, law, prophets, and wisdom. And, and Jesus is teaching from the mountaintop as the king who's able to teach rightly all three of those things. Um, so if you, have, um, if you have your Bible, if you have your phone, um, Matthew 7, 15 through 29 will be our text. Um, there's three stories. Um, there's three wisdom stories there's three guiding stories, and I think we all need a guide in this life. And, and one of these things that Jesus um, does in all three of these stories is he invites the audience um, to use their imaginations. And I love how we're having kids draw pictures because that's exactly what Jesus wants the audience to do. He wants them to sit and listen and engage their mind, to use their imaginations, to to take these words that he's teaching them and, and to actually build mental pictures. And so my hope and prayer um, uh, is that we would do the same as we read from the sermon, that you begin to build a mental picture in your brain. If, if you like to doodle, doodle, um, you know, by all means, because um, Jesus wants us to know what these uh, pictures are. He wants our imaginations to be filled with what it looks like um, to have the wisdom of God and the wisdom of Scripture at our fingertips. Um, I will say this, all three of these stories, all three of these wisdom stories, all three of these guiding stories have a common theme. And this common theme is uh, appearance versus reality. Um, adornment versus substance. External versus internal. So if you'll join me, let's go ahead and read our, uh, our first story. Uh, beginning in um, uh, verse 15 of Matthew chapter 7. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. When I was a kid growing up, um, we lived in Italy for several years. And uh, it was an awesome time in uh, our lives, Um, and uh, my dad was in the military, and instead of living on base, we actually lived in the Italian countryside, and um, my parents um, took us through several great trips and travels um, when we were kids, and I remember going to, um, uh, in in the mountains of northern Italy, we were going to a cherry farm, and the cherries uh, on the trees were delicious. Um, We were able to go through and pick them, and if you know anything about um, cherries, uh, cherry juice stains. Um, and so all of us kids are just stuffing our mouth full of cherries, making sure we're not eating the, the pits. And it's really good. We're getting cherries all over us. I think my parents had a great time um, just watching us or 
or they did a really good job being patient with us. I'm, I'm not sure <laughs> what it is. But I, I remember that those cherries were just the best. And then I, I come to America, and we have these cherries that you buy at the grocery store that are kind of, like, artificial. Um, and uh, they're bright red. You guys might know them. Um, I think Chick-fil-A likes to put them on top of their milkshakes. Um, anyways, I don't like those cherries. I feel like they're fake. They're artificial. They're, it's not good fruit. But when you go to the fruit that is actually off the tree and taste that, oh, it's so much better. And, and this is what Jesus is talking about. He's really talking about um, beware of false prophets. Beware of people who it, it looks like good fruit, but, but it's not. And, and Jesus' language is strong. He starts out with a command. Beware. Uh, be on your guard. Watch out. Um. He's putting emphasis in this. He's concerned for the people listening to him that somehow another false prophet will come and teach them something else. Because you see, Jesus is, is looking at himself as the fulfillment, as the son of God of all of scripture. He is the, the great prophet, the true prophet that the law talks about in Deuteronomy 18 that Moses tells is going to come after them. And so this, this word, when he says, beware of false prophets, this is our story number one. And, and this word, um, uh, if you look it up in the Greek, is pseudo. And we have all sorts of words that start with pseudo, pseudoscience, um, you know, uh, pseudo-authors, pseudo-names. And, and it's something that's not real. It's artificial. And, um, you know, um, everything that's happening medically is, um, uh, is deeply concerning and if for whatever reason you were concerned about your health, you'd want to go to a doctor. And you would hope that doctor was a doctor, an MD, not that they had kind of a, a you know, they were an internet specialist. Um, you don't want your doctor to be like, yeah, where, where'd you get your degree from? Uh, I got it from WebMD. Um, that's not the kind of doctor that, that you want to take um, yourself to or a member of your family. And, and what do they do to make sure doctors um, are, are trained? Well, they spend countless of uh, years in school. They pay a lot of money. Um, one other thing they do is they have residencies. And residencies are that opportunity for that doctor to take everything that they've learned in their education and in their schooling, and they're actually surrounded by other doctors and other nurses who are, are, are training them, teaching them, helping them become further experts. And really, uh, residencies are, are really where, where doctors, um, uh, they need to pass those in order to become uh, licensed doctors, in order to not become uh, pseudo doctors. And, and Jesus is saying in the same, same way, these, these false teachers, maybe they're false teachers because they don't have any residency credibility. They just float around from flock to flock to flock. Jesus says they're, they're ravenous wolves. That word ravenous means they're, they're hungry. They're greedy. They don't desire the good. Rather, they desire to exploit and manipulate and control and to dominate. Jesus is concerned for the sheep. And so he says, how will the sheep know? Well, he says, they'll recognize these, 
these false prophets, these pseudo-prophets by their fruit. And so the question I think that we have to wrestle with is what is the, the production of, of, uh, of people who teach us scripture, of, of these people who, who claim to be, to be pastors? What is the production of their character, of their words, and of their works? And there's a lot of great um, resources there um, in uh, evangelicalism and Christianity. Um, but it's really hard to know a person's life just by listening to their podcast. It, it's really hard um, to have, you know, a, a favorite um, theologian or pastor you're listening to, but all you do is listen to their sermons and read their books. You don't really know their life. They don't really talk to you. They don't really have a conversation with you. You're, you're not able to see their marriage, their kids, how, how they're interacting. And I think so many times Christians would, would rather go for the easy route of, I, I just want to listen to a guy's podcast. Or I want to follow a guy on Twitter. You know, I want to read all this guy's books. You know, I, I want to listen to this guy's sermon. And I think those are, that, those are good things. But again, do you know the production of their character, of their words, and their works. Because if you don't, then they could be a wolf, and you would never know. You would just know that they look like a, a good sheep. I think one of the ways that you can tell um, is, uh, what do they do when they make a mistake? You know, someone in leadership and authority, if they've made a mistake, what, what do they do? Do they gloss it over? Do they apologize? Um, do they try to make things right? Do they pursue reconciliation? Do they blame it on other people? Um, what do leaders and pastors do when they make a mistake? Are there other people that are speaking into their lives? Um, Jesus says that bad trees are thrown into the fire. And um, what's amazing about this statement is, is this kind of picks up um, this appearance versus reality thing that we talked about. Bad trees are thrown into the fire. This means that there's an implication of judgment. Um, and, and, and Jesus is somehow saying that judgment, um, these, these, these false prophets will be held responsible for judgment. And if they are bad, they will be thrown into the fire. And you'd think that this Sermon on the Mount has been like a kind of a fun sermon so far, right? Um, it's it's learned all sorts of things about flourishing, all sorts of things about love, um, not judging, all sorts of things about um, what it looks like to practice things, um, spiritual things and truth. And then all of a sudden Jesus starts dropping this theme of judgment. And we're going to see where he goes with this because I think that's also important. There's appearance and there's reality, there's adornment and there's substance and there's only one person who's able to distinguish the two. And that's Jesus Christ. But he's going to give and pass that on to us by telling us to look at people's fruit, examine their fruit. And again, I think one of the best ways to examine someone's fruit is what do they do when they make a mistake? Are they humble and repentant? Are they prideful or arrogant? Um, and then, yeah, Matthew 7.20 closes that eventually they will be recognized. So let's keep reading um, our next um, Our next passage is Matthew 7. We're going to start in uh, verse 21. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is a, a heavy, a heavy passage. Um, again, there's a uh, passage centers on what Jesus calls these workers of lawlessness. There's an appearance versus reality theme threading through here. And it starts off with a, a certain familiarity, does it not? People who are, you know, the theme of, introdu- uh, of judgment was just introduced. And now people are, 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 are in judgment and, and they're saying, Lord, Lord. Um... And uh, they're saying, you know, we've done all these things for you. We've done all these mighty works for you. And he says, I, I haven't known you. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with you. And I, and, um, I think this is um, challenging to us um, because I think these workers, th- see, they were familiar with the identity of the king and the work of the kingdom. And I, I want to give you guys a little bit of cultural context for this. So in the ancient Near East at this time, when there is a, uh, a new king who's coronated or a new king who comes to power, um, oftentimes um, the uh, wealthy, the noble families, uh, the people of means, and even um, the poor classes would, um, would come to his coronation. They would swear fealty. Fealty is like a medieval word, but they, they would say that they um, owe him allegiance. They would say that they will fight for him. Uh, They will basically say, you are the king, and we recognize that. Um, Again, in the ancient Near East, oftentimes um, that meant they gave uh, tribute or uh, homage or would bow down before him. And so I think what's important to say is, see, these people, these workers, they know there has been a coronation of the king, but they have not come to confess that he is king. And I think there's a lot of people, perhaps even sitting in, in pews, who they know there's a coronation. They know Jesus has come and said he is king. But you see, they've, they've never confessed him. They've never bowed down before him. They've never recognized the, the work that he has done to be crowned king over them. And so instead, they run around the kingdom doing whatever they want, even referencing the king, even doing the works of the kingdom. But they've not confessed the king. And so then they come to judgment. And what do they do when they're confronted with their lack of a relationship with the king? When they're confronted with their lack of a confession of the king, they immediately turn to their works Look what we've done for you. We've cast out demons. We've done many mighty works in your name. And Jesus says, depart, for I never knew you. Um, Again, Jesus is elevating himself. This is a a command. It's not like, oh, see you later. You guys have to leave my presence. Depart, I never knew you. His Word now is equated not only as a king, but
but as a judge. And if we understand what this means in, in, in biblical times, only God was allowed the right to judge. And here Jesus is equating himself as judge over them. Um, the reason why is they've, they're, they're um, uh, called to depart um, because, they, um, uh, because they have not known the will of the Father who is in heaven. And so I think this, this um, begs us to ask the question from verse 21, what is the will of God? What is the will of the Father in heaven? And this, um, you know, this question is talked about often. I know many people who've just asked, what's the will of God for my life? What, what's God's will? Um, John 6, um, let's read two verses. This is uh, in verse 29, John 6, 29. Then Jesus answered, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. Several verses later, John six forty. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks in the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. The will of God is to believe that he has sent Jesus Christ, his Son, his King, his Judge, that God has coronated Jesus Christ so that all men would confess and believe in him. This is the will of God the Father. Again, the coronation has taken place. In fact, we are going to celebrate that coronation next week. But the question for you is, have you confessed that coronation? Um, I'll share a, a story uh, with everything that's happening in, in um, our culture with this pandemic. The church has responded in a lot of ways. Uh, one of the ways that the church has responded, um, and, and trust me, my inbox is, you know, getting blasted left and right from, like, random places I subscribed to, like, nine years ago. And I'm like, oh, man, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. Um, and I'm seeing just a lot of things, and, and I clicked on something, and it had another link to something. And, and uh, the church responded, uh, uh, this pastor responded with, um, you know, being woken up in the night, having a dream, having a vision, um, and then really feeling like he's got to uh, mobilize people to pray and to pray for heavenly things and uh, um, to pray for leaders. And, and um, you know, it, it wasn't really, there wasn't a whole lot of mention about the gospel or Jesus. It, he was just telling people to do this and do that and do that because of his experience with God. And I think that put some alarm bells in my head. Um, and then the next thing that put alarm bells in my head was, you know, and if you really want us to succeed in this, uh, you're going to give us money. And as I'm prepping through this, my heart is just like, well, that, that's what a ravenous wolf looks like. Someone who's only talking about their experiences, who's only trying to get other people to work, and someone who only wants money from the flock. And it, it just struck me that their fruit was evident. Let's um, turn to our third story. And um, uh, a quick note as we turn there. Um, again, we're in Matthew 7. Um, I think it's important to reiterate that oftentimes the Sermon on the Mount is read as like Jesus is this good moral teacher. He is this ethical guy. 
um, and he's really uh, helping humans uh, live out their full potential. And I think if we read the sermon um, like this, we miss out on what Jesus is saying. We miss out on the, the Christology. We miss out on the coronation. We miss out on what the, the language of the text is trying to teach us. We miss out on what God is trying to teach us. And that is this. In these wisdom passages, it's the same thing that God was doing in the Old Testament. God alone is wise. God alone is sovereign. God alone can judge. And Jesus is doing the same thing. He alone can judge. He alone is the wise king. He alone has the wisdom that is greater than that of Solomon, and he is in our midst. So this is not an ethics class. This is Jesus laying out coronation language. This is Jesus requiring a response from us. And that's what wisdom literature does. When you read wisdom literature, it's not just like, oh, that's cool. Like, okay, that, that's the story of a foolish person. That's the story of a wise person. Like, oh, neat. Like, you know, it, it's not like wisdom literature is this like TikTok, TikTok, fool person, TikTok, wise person. It's asking you to make a response. So let's read this last passage from Matthew 7. Um, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house in the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. This story is found also in Luke. Um, and doesn't it capture imagine, your imagination? Wise and foolish builders, sand and rock, um, uh, the, the imagery of a storm. Um, it's powerful. It, it's something that, was, that happened all the time um, in the area of, of, of Jerusalem and Galilee. Uh, storms would roll in off the coast. Uh, we know what that's like in Florida. And um, I, uh, I wanted to share, um, you know, I pulled up a really good treatise on what this looks like. Um, it's written at about a kindergarten level. Um, but this is the three little pigs. Um, and um, I, I think it's a great kind of analogy. Um, you know, it's not scripture, but it's a great analogy of what's happening. You see, there's these uh, three pigs that they, they leave home um, and uh, they um, decide to kind of build a, a neighborhood together. They're, they're brothers and they want to hang out. The only problem is there's this wolf spying them from afar and the wolf's hungry and would like some bacon. And um, these three pigs have to, have to build a, a house. And, and so one of them builds it out of straw, one of them builds it out of wood. And as soon as they're done, they just start playing and frolicking. And the third one takes some time to really build it out of brick. And um, I, I think we all know what happens. The, the wolf acts as the storm. And um, the first two pigs' homes are destroyed, but the third is not. And uh, I'd love to have us just look at um, this question, is what makes a man wise or foolish? Because again, Jesus is wrapping up this, this sermon, Matthew is coming to the end of this discourse 
And this is the question that is presented to us. What makes a man wise or foolish? Um, what's interesting is both builders are given the same condition. Actually, when you read the text, um, it's beautiful. Both of them are faced with, um, you know, the, the winds and the storm slamming against the home. The, the rain, and, and it's the it's exact same. It's a parallel structure, but the, the, their outcome is far different. And um, in biblical times, oftentimes a storm um, was a, a way that God showed his judgment. Um, he was often depicted in the Old Testament as kind of riding on the wings of the storm, um, on sweeping away enemies. Um, and I think this is important to note that, that Jesus is likening this flood um, to judgment. And a person's work, a person's home will be revealed. It'll either be swept away or it'll remain. And what's interesting, it, 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 it remains based not on the wisdom or the foolishness of the builder. It remains based on the substance on which the builder built the home. You know, the greatest calamity to face man is not this pandemic the greatest calamity to face man um, is not COVID-19. The greatest calamity to face man will be the judgment of God. And Jesus, with absolute certainty, through this beautiful, simple story of two builders who are building on different foundations, is saying judgment will be coming. And Christ places himself as the wise king and he says, you've got to hear my words and do them. Hear my words and do them. Um, the rock, Jesus Christ, is readily available to build upon. In fact, um, in the area of Judea um, and Jerusalem, th the same building materials were available to everyone. They just would need to go dig a little bit to find where to dig in to the rock. The same is true. Christ has revealed himself through the gospel. Christ has revealed himself. God has revealed himself through creation. Will you build your life upon the rock of Christ? Um, you know, um, when Jesus says, hear these words, um, he's not just talking about like cool story. He, there's a, an element of obedience when you ever hear the language of hearing in the Old or New Testament, there's this underlying assumption that if you're wise, you will be obeying. I'm reminded of the story we just summarized about the, the, the three little piggies. You see two little piggies, thought it'd be fun just to, to play outside, to, to maybe acknowledge that there was a coronation, a danger, an enemy somewhere, and a king somewhere, but not to build their house on the rock. See, they would rather frolic and play and hang out and not treat seriously the words of Jesus Christ. Church, are we treating seriously the words of Jesus Christ? I'll close um, with these last few verses. And when Jesus finished these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Um... Again, Jesus chooses to end um, longest sermon in Scripture with 
an imagination picture about a storm, about builders, about the rock and the sand. And he finishes teaching and the crowds are awestruck. The crowds are silent because he's not teaching them as just some scholar or some scribe. He's not just repeating the law. He's saying, I am king, I am judge, I am wise. Will you obey and follow me? Um, When we read the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is asking us the same question. Do you believe that he is wise, that he is king, that he is judge? It's not enough to have the knowledge that he's been coronated, but will you come and confess that before him? Um, The crowds were amazed at the authority of Jesus. Um, I think when we read scripture, we should be amazed at the authority of Jesus. And when we read scripture, we should look at our lives. We should examine our lives. We should say, wow, if we're really hearing the words of Jesus, then are we loving in this instance? Are we kind in this instance? Uh, Are we generous in this instance? Because we want to be hearing the words of our king, of our judge, of our sage, because they have authority. I don't want to be playing in this world and losing the authority of my king. And my prayer for us as a church as we close out um, this, uh, this sermon is that um, we would not forget that the authority of Jesus, he's asking for a response. Uh, I pray that when you read scripture this week, that as you read, you'd be confronted with that idea of, of scripture alone is wise and it carries weight and authority and meaning and truth in your life. And are you treating God with authority or are you trying to amuse yourself like little piggies? Um, I'd love to invite um, uh, a friend, um, a pastor up. Um, for those of you who've never met Vashi, um, uh, uh, some of us uh, goes by Walter as well, Nemenchek. Um, he was a pastor at our church, uh, helped plant and found campus ministry, Awaken Church. And uh, about a year ago, uh, he made the difficult decision to um, actually um, step back from pastoring, um, not because of uh, any uh, um, serious sin or anything like that, but he wanted to be wise and focus on some things in his life that he felt like um, God and Scripture were calling him to focus on. And, and so um, he's an engineer during the week, a fisherman um, on weekends. But uh, Vash, I'd love to have you just share some of your story. It's been uh, probably about a year since you had a chance to um, really share with our church. I'd love to have you share. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate it. i got to follow three little pigs, and I don't <laughs> think we're six feet apart, so we're Ooh. violating uh, social distancing here. But... Um, yeah, I'll share the story. This is a great passage. Uh, you know, every foundation is designed to support the structure it's built on. So uh, when the engineers are designing any sort of foundation, whether it's a spread footer, or a stem wall, pile supported, it doesn't matter what it is. The expectation is I'm designing this so that I support the structure on top mm-hmm. of it. It could be a house. It could be a skyscraper. It doesn't matter. The expectation is we need to support whatever you build on top of it. And if the foundation is weak, 
or the foundation doesn't, everything that's built on top can crumble. So like you mentioned, you know, I'm a, uh, you know, I was pastor at Awakened Church for, for 19 years. I, I am a partner in a local engineering company as well. I've got uh, five wonderful daughters that are 14 to 25 years old. I've been married uh, almost 27 years now in a few weeks. So wow. all these amazing things. I have two grandchildren in the last year. So all this really cool stuff that's gone on in my life, I've really been blessed. And, um, but I, I, and I, I truly love serving the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, serving the church, serving God, shepherding God's people is one of the most enjoyable things that I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I really embrace and, and, uh, and just love God's people, his bride, and, and, and all that that means. And so it's really difficult. Uh, uh, I recognize that, that um, you know, for my family to make, for me to do all those different things, it, it was hard uh, for my family, for me to juggle uh, ministry along with, you know, shepherding the church, but also being involved and in, in trying to be successful from a career standpoint, but also just being a father to, to a large family and being a good husband. Those are all difficult, and, and um, we, the family had to make a lot of sacrifices over that time frame, um, you know, from passing of promotions to missing lots of people's birthday parties mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, birthdays because of, you know, mission trips or other you know, obligations and responsibilities, um, or just asking my wife to homeschool four or five kids at a time while, while she's discipling, you know, young women and using our house for ministry and, and me being gone a lot for, you know, just all these things take a toll. And um, I, really, I really, you know, all those sacrifices, they were done with joy. But what I didn't recognize is it was taking a toll on the relationships, not just in the family, but even relationships in the church. Um, so, you know, like you mentioned about a year ago, uh, I stepped back from, from pastoring here at Awaken, uh, and, and that that was really not because of any, you know, uh, a crisis or some sort of big fall. It was really a lot of subtle concerns uh, from you and Andrew and, and Richard, uh, I mean, you, Frank and Richard, but, but also just even uh, for me, you know, I yeah. recognize that, hey, I am, I'm struggling with different areas. There were some things that had gone on, circumstances that that were very evident to me that, hey, you're, you're having a hard time here. Mm-hmm. And uh, out of love from you guys, uh, I felt that love, I felt that care, I felt that shepherding that, hey, Vosh, you should really reconsider some of your priorities or reconsider how you're using some of your time. And this will be one of the things for you to look at. So my goal has been over this last year to focus on ministry with my wife, to focus on ministry with my kids. Um, and in many ways, just heeding the caution of this passage, I need to build a stronger foundation. My foundation was exposed. If you look at the the next slide, hmm. um, you know there's a there's a picture here on the left. This is Hurricane Matthew that hit Volano Beach. It's right where my wife grew up. Uh, uh, sorry, the picture on the right is one of Volano Beach. Literally a block from where my wife grew up. A lot wow. of these houses fell into the ocean. Yeah. Some of them, you know, withstood, but you can see they have problems. On the left is is our trip to uh, to Mexico Beach and and mm-hmm. and the the mission work, the relief work that we did, helping out people there. A lot of those homes. There's nothing left. There's very few that were even that even stood in, and so you can see that some of those houses did not survive the test. And even the ones that survived, it was some of them. It was exposed. What the problem? There was concerns. There was issues associated with. So, for me, my father-in-law passed away two years ago, and it was traumatic for people in our house. But it was also it's still traumatic. It's still a lot of emotions associated with that. But what was really exposed was my relationships were not as strong with mm-hmm. some of my kids. I did not care and minister to my family 
like I think God wanted me to. And, and some of the trials that were associated with that just brought to light, hey, there's some things that you should do different. And so, um, so I've been looking at, you know, over the last year and taking really to heart uh, what it looks like for me to live in this new paradigm. It's been tough not being as involved on the front lines of ministry. But I'm also recognizing that most of the concerns I had were, were for me personally. They were, hey, Vosh, these are areas for you to grow. And so learning how to be patient, learning how to listen and be patient and listen to people that are not like me. Uh, be patient listening to people I don't understand maybe how they, how they work or yeah. why they do what they do. But just being patient and listening because I love them mm. and learning to do that. Uh, for me also, a big is a battle with emotions, especially with anger. You know, I, I recognize that it was easy for me to turn to anger when I didn't understand or I couldn't mm. wrap my head around things. Or this, that it was a scenario that I just, I just didn't know how to deal with. That I would turn to anger versus turning to the Holy Spirit and asking for the fruit of the Spirit to lead and guide me mm. through those times where I truly couldn't, couldn't in my head figure out what to do. But I know God knew what to do. Yeah. But instead, I would turn to anger and other things in my flesh. And that was just, that's been really hard. But, and also just to respond first in love. It's so easy for me to be judgmental, but to recognize that Jesus always responds to mm. us in love. He loves us first, and then he goes and he changes our lives. He yeah. loves us first, and then he helps us to mm. grow and to mature. And uh, that was it's really difficult, you know, and, and challenging for me. So, you know, I recognize I don't, can't control outcomes. I can't control, um, you know, I don't even need to control the outcomes. Mm. That's really a God's, it's yeah. a God's sore step. Yeah. But I can control my attitude. I can mm. control where my heart is, and I can ask, hey, you know, Jesus, I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to let my ministry flow out of my love for you, mm. not out of a title, not out of obligation or duty mm. or responsibility. I'm going to let it flow because I mm. love you, and I'm going to minister to the people out of that love. So, you know, Jesus says here, like, like you mentioned, you know, the key to all of this, to this whole sermon, was that you not only hear these words, but you put them into action. That's the challenge. And, and uh, when you look at the examples of the Sermon on the Mount, so much of it is the test, the test of our attitude, the test of mm. our heart. He's exposing it's not just what we do, it's how we think about. Mm. It's, how we, it's what our, our mindset is, how we're approaching the different things that are going on in life. That's where the test is. That's mm. where the foundation is being tested. So how do you respond like Jesus would versus responding according to our flesh? So um, you know, I, when, I, when I teach, I'm, I'm very <laughs> practical. I, I, uh, I think about, well, what's the practical thing for me to walk away? What's the practical thing I can share for you guys? I'm sharing a testimony, but... But uh, I look at, you know, James when he says that we consider it joy when we face trials. Mm -hmm. For the, the testing of our faith produces perseverance, and perseverance finishes its work so that we may be mature, complete, lacking in nothing. To me, that is so powerful because that's what trials are. They're testing the foundation. Mm -hmm. They're testing what is going on. Those trials, is God gives them to us for the purpose. The purpose is so that we would be mature, so that we would be complete. We'd be like Jesus. You know, yeah. Jesus has given, he's given us these, these examples. So my question to, uh, you know, to the church and, and to the folks listening is, is, is really, um, how is your attitude with the trials God's given mm -hmm. you? That for me was the big thing. What was my attitude like? And am I joyful or am I judgmental? Do I have resentment or anxiety? Um, do I focus on others being blessed or do I focus on my own? What am mm -hmm. I getting out of this? Uh, you know, what, what, what do I look for? Do I, am I choosing the hard path or the easy path? Am I choosing to be lazy? Mm -hmm. or, or, or I mean, all these different things. And so I think when you start asking yourself that question, you can look at your foundation and say, well, 
does my foundation need repair? Yeah. And for me, it was, it was evident. I think it was a, a good decision to make. It was a hard decision. But it was evident, hey, my foundation needs some repair. I want to build on the solid rock of Jesus. That's the key. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I, asked, I asked myself when I studied the Sermon on the Mount, you know, what words of Jesus do I need to embrace? Mm-hmm. How can this change my attitude? And am I trusting him to do that work? It's really God working in and through me. It's Jesus transformed my life. He wants me to be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. And, uh, and for me, it's in many ways just saying I'm going to humble myself and submit myself, God, to, to growing in you. And, and, uh, and uh, that's, been, that's been my experience. Uh, it's a, a, a quick, uh, you know, you know, quick snippet on, on the last year. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so encouraged. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to Andrew. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, thanks, Bosh. I think it was, uh, I think it was good for um, me to hear that. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really what do we do with the words of Jesus. And, um, you know, Vashi has been following Jesus for over 30 years and in, in, in leadership and in ministry and, and uh, you know, a husband, a father, and was like, hey, I, I, need, I need a little bit of work here. And the reality is we all do. We all need to do a little foundation repair. And so maybe there's something in your life right now um, that you're thinking about, and, and Vashi um, has just been vulnerable and honest. It's, it's hard to step back um, from leadership. It's hard to step back from authority. It's hard to step back and admit that, that um, you're vulnerable and, and weak and need, need to work on things, um, but that's one of the things that, that he's done, and, and, and maybe you can take some hope and inspiration from that because I, I think there's all things that we need to work on in our lives, and um, uh, and yeah, the, the question is, are we going to allow the Holy Spirit um, to work on that? Because um, we can adorn ourselves and look great and not know the words of Christ, or we can dig into the substance of Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation, know his words, and allow those words to shape us, to form us, allow those words to help us dig deep and build our life into scripture and build our life in, um, into the will of God.